Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Clicking on Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. I'm excited to have on the program today a good friend, Dan Smith of Compliances. Dan and I have known each other for a number of years. Dan also was the moderator host of an important compliance summit put on by Compliances recently in Fort Worth. It seems like it was recently, just yesterday. It may have been actually a couple months ago. But Dan, it's good to have you joining me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure, David, to be here with you. I want to introduce our two other guests. I'll have you do so. You know them well. Yeah, thanks, David. So along with me on this uh, call are Tom Hennen, uh, who is the Director of Strategic Partnerships with Calix. Tom and I have known each other for quite some time, and Tom is instrumental in his role. He comes and kind of can speak to the vendor side of things for the initiative that we're going to be talking about here today. The other individual here is Jeremy Windham. Jeremy is a regulator for the state of Alabama. He's also the vice chair of the MMC, which is the Multi-State Mortgage Committee. And so Jeremy uh, is the one that's speaking to the kind of 2.0 version of moving forward, if you will, on a more efficient examination process. So I think we've got collectively a good representation. Yeah, representation. That's right. Yeah, Thomas, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm, I really am excited about it. And kudos to you, Jeremy, for coming on. It's uh, Trying to get a regulator to come on the podcast and talk, it takes a little bit of coercion. So I don't know what photos Dan has, but he's well, pulled this off, and I'm just really honored to have you here, Jeremy, and really do appreciate it. I, I want to start off with this question. And it is, why is reg tech important from a regulator's perspective? We always talk about things from a lender's perspective, but I'm really interested, Jeremy, getting your perspective on why reg tech is so important. Thank you, David, for having me on, and thanks, Dan, for the introduction, and thank you, Tom, for being on board as well. But reg tech is important for states because we have to evolve. We have to be able to improve our efficiency as regulators. We have more that is actually a responsibility of the regulators that we're now pushing out to all states, such as financial condition, compliance management systems. We're looking at board management oversight. And then we have this thing called loan review. And loan review is what typically takes 90% of our time in conducting an examination. We can look at approximately five to 10 loans a day, manually flipping those loans. So having a technology in place to actually help us target our review on specific findings is what the states need in order to improve our efficiency so we can pass those cost savings on to our licensees or, or the industry. And RegTech is a solution to what we have to overcome as far as efficiency. We have a directive from the NDSC, 
which is the Non-Depository Supervisory right. Committee, which is basically the, the commissioner superintendents, telling the MMC, is who I represent, that, you know, we have to improve our efficiencies. And we have to still meet a standard. We can't just say, okay, we're going to just review five loans and that be okay. We have to examine a good sample of loans in order to meet the uh, sampling requirements as laid out in the exam guidelines. So we have to do that still continue doing that. Plus, we have to do these other things that some states may not be used to, is financial condition, board management oversight, uh, and their compliance management programs, and not take forever. So that is the point of break tech. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's not taking forever. That's, a, that's such a challenge. I think, you know, a good way to start off, Dan, is for you to define what reg tech is. Oh, thanks, David. Yeah, reg tech is really in our industry. It's a Know, a subset or a sibling of fintech that applies, you know, automated and new processes and technologies, you know, such as such as AI or or blockchain to manage, you know, regulatory and and related challenges in a more efficient and compliant manner. It's certainly received a lot of buzz lately. It's really kind of part of. You know, what people call the digital transformation or industry 4.0. Yeah. I should point out that uh, research in market.com had indicated in a study that spending on reg tech, they expect to more than double in the next five years. It's kind of broad solutions include things like preventing money laundering, helping with identity management, dealing with different regulations like GDPR, helping with data or record management. And there are other industries outside of the mortgage that also are dealing with reg tech. Obviously, in our space, it's really reg tech is about taking you know, c- complex compliance law and adhering to it in, a, in an increasingly efficient way. Thomas, jump in and give us any thoughts you want to add to that. Yeah, I think from the, you know, I kind of take things from the perspective of the originator, you know, when it comes to reg tech, you know, first it's an elephant in the room. It's kind of like uh, my dad always said, it's like the hog with the wristwatch. You, you know, it's out there, but you're not really <laughs> sure what to do with it. You know, and and I think our originators that are, that are in this industry today, and I think, frankly, for all time, really, by and large, want to do the right thing. It's just sometimes real hard for them to communicate that. And so RegTech is a way, I think, a standardized way to, you know, keep them in compliance, keep them up with, again, doing the right thing. And I think what's really important is is that uh, we try to make their lives easier. They're not trying to generally, not trying to hide anything. It's just a matter of, you know, it gets really, really difficult when you when you do fall under some sort of an audit and they're necessary. You know, the angst that's created from that isn't necessarily from maybe what you've done in the past. It's just the collecting of that data and getting yeah, that data. Yeah, that's exactly. Great point. Yeah, and so I think, I, think, I, mean, I think it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a good opportunity out there for, and, and I'm just really thankful that, you know, the regulators are kind of pushing this initiative to say, okay, this is, we're, we're making this really hard for the folks that have to report the information. And it would be really nice if we could all come together and, and provide a, 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 an easier way. Yeah, Jeremy, I, I love the idea of trying to get so much support in there because, I mean, fast, efficient, making this as painless as possible. You know, an audit's an audit, you know, and who enjoys that? But, I mean, it, it is essential to make sure that we're in compliance. I'd like to have you talk a little bit about, in this first 
question here. You were talking about policy procedures, which is the compliance management, as well as the financial condition, which is the liquidity and the asset quality and the board and manager. Talk about some of those. If you could give us some insights on how RegTech can help you with that and might some suggestions you might have to those of the in the technology community. So right now, David, we're, those areas that you just covered are going to actually be topics that we have to uh, review in order to meet a standard to be accredited. Yeah, minimum standard. By CSB, yeah. To be accredited by CSBS as a state. And so other states can take our examination product and use it as their own. So those areas that you just covered are not actually what I'm talking about as far as reg tech helping us out. What has taken us the most time in our examination, mm. uh, about 90% is loan review because we manually... Oh, okay. Loans. So when we're doing that and we're spending that much time on loan file flipping... Some of these other very important topics that you just mentioned kind of get pushed to the side because we're focused in on consumer protection and consumer harm. Well, we could actually be looking at board management and how they actually operate and eliminate a lot of those possible consumer harms if we're able to get to that level. So those three things that were discussed, compliance management, financial condition, board management oversight, are things that we're going to have to be added to our exam process. and. Wow. To keep our exam process from becoming extremely long and tedious, what we want to do is utilize Compliance Eases product, Compliance Analyzer, run the loans through the system, help us target on loan file selection just those specific areas that are flagged, and then we can shift our focus and our time to those other areas that we need to That's a great point. Yeah, and I'm thrilled. I love compliances, and yes, I'm a fan of compliances, listeners. So this is an, uh, I guess you could say it's an overt promote. But let's talk a little bit about you know what the states have done to accomplish a faster review times. It, you know, it is a, a review. Jeremy is a distraction to a company who, especially at these times, having record volumes because of lower rates we've had in a while. The pipelines are bulging, and the last thing they have quote unquote time for, but they have to make time for is this audit. What are you guys doing to help make it faster? Just to kind of give you a history, David, about 10 years ago, CSBS, the Conference State, State Bank Supervisors, which is the state's association, state commissioner's association and state-run, uh, we put out a bid to at large for this software, a software that could provide this kind of information. And back in that time, what we were really looking at, to do is find a a software that provides finance charge calculations on interest-only payment option arms because, as you can imagine, that calculation, if you sit down and do it, it takes you forever. So we really needed a program that could actually put in the numbers and spit out finance charges, and they'd be accurate within that $100. So that was the goal in 2008, 2007, when this initiative first began. So what happened uh, between that point in time until 2014, we ran 800,000 loans through Compliance Analyzer. Everything was working great. We were comparing initial disclosures to final disclosures. The system was being used more and more every year by more states. Everybody was becoming adoptive to this system, learning, they have training. It was really moving forward until 2014. So I think we all know what happened in 2014. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's uh, for those that, that talk about that. I mean, the, from a compliance perspective, I mean, the big thing you're talking about is obviously TRID. But talk right. about that. What what kind of wrench did that throw into this whole process? Well, it went from a simple comparing initial to final disclosure to 
comparing your initial to the next disclosure to the following disclosure to the following disclosure, and you've got to capture all of those data points, yeah. and you've got to capture all of those fields in order to make appropriate calculations and make sure that they're within their change circumstance tolerances and not violating those pol- uh, those rules and regs. So it really complicated a software program, so much so that when we were conducting examinations, states would be looking at the system, and the system's still doing the same calculations that it was prior. It's just that data points were, were not available in a lot of those circumstances, and therefore examiners were seeing fails, so a tolerance violation. Well, examiners would pull the file and then manually flip through and find that change <laughs> circumstance and then say, okay, the system must be broken. This system is telling me it's a fail. Uh, So I went and pulled the file. I looked at it. It's not a fail. So examiners start pushing the system to the side. The the technology that we've invested time and money in has been pushed to the side, and now examiners are back to the old style of manually flipping loans. And it's just that's where we as the MMC finally stepped to the side and said, listen, we've got to figure out how to fix this issue. And the issue is that data points just are not getting transferred to our licensee, the lender, in order for them sometimes to pull a complete LEF that we're using to test. And that's what basically led into these initiatives that we're looking at right now or that we have done uh, and that we're continuing to do right now. Dan, jump in on this. This is, I mean, there's, you guys have brought a huge solution, not only to the regulators, but as, as well as to the industry to, to work on this, especially when they launch a TRID. But this has been a moving target. TRID was not exactly clearly written. How have you been managing this? Uh, that's a great question. And so I, I think, you know, what's been interesting for us, and so re- working with compliances as I have for many years is, you know, what I think sort of is unique about us is we only do automated compliance. So, I mean, we are a special, we are a company that specializes in automated compliance. And, the, you know, the, the way that has taken shape over the years is we receive input from a variety of external parties, be they regulators and outside law firms. We certainly talk with industry participants. We also have our own internal legal team and, uh, of course, product teams. And it's been really an iterative process and evolution of, you know, basically anything that can be quantifiable is within our footprint. And so, you know, many years ago, uh, back in 01, when we, you know, kind of pioneered automated compliance tools, we really had easing the process for the lenders in mind. That process has evolved and in, and as it is in, in essence a very you know highly sophisticated idiosyncratic calculator, it's something that has provided utility outside of the lenders who are using it at the point of origination. It's been something that is useful to determine how compliance is fared by post-origination standards, so uh, the secondary market, uh, investors, and regulators. So with something like TRID, certainly, you know, the biggest challenge uh, has been, you know, certainly there are questions of interpretation that had to be worked through, you know, things like moving, tracking the fee changes and changes circumstances at the fee level and things of that sort. But it's also been, you know, just a challenge of, of getting at the data or getting the data that's been needed uh, in order to do a complete review. 
and we're tapped on the shoulder by by the regulators to uh, provide assistance for them in the form of our tool, and that's been uh, a very positive process or positive experience, but rewarding and enriching, but it's, it's really been couched under, you know, with getting complete and accurate data, how does that translate into information that can create efficiency both for lenders, but also, as Jeremy's described here, for the regulators as well, so they can do their jobs. Yeah, yeah. And Jeremy, I, kudos to you guys going out and putting out a bid to the software to find the best solution out there. And you know, I think you did. I would agree that compliance ease is that, and I'm thrilled that you guys are bringing that. But we talked about TRID. Tom, I don't know how you as a software developer has been able to stay on top of all the changes since then, but it's, I mean, we could do a whole podcast, the challenges on that. But I want to go back to Jeremy just real quickly and talk about what the states are doing now today. And I understand that there is quite a bit of yet underway to make this process even, I keep saying less painful. I don't know if that's the right word, Jeremy, but <laughs> let's try talk about that. As efficient as we possibly can. Yeah, more can. efficient. Yeah, let's do that. That's a better way, a better positive way to put it. So we're learning something. I mean, we, learn, we learn something new every day. Um, who would have thought a guy from Alabama would be knee-deep in rec tech? So that's the first <laughs> thing we learned. Um, the next thing is we needed to get everybody who had any interest in this in, in a room and have a meeting. We wanted them to tell us the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that they had as far as experience with compliances. We, we had to figure out what was happening between the systems of record and then our system of compliance that we were using. So... We asked, we, we call it an LEF Summit. We started that uh, in Dallas uh, almost a year ago. And now uh, we've gotten to the point where we had, they had a meeting. We had a meeting last week in San Diego for our third summit where we're bringing in regulators, lenders, industry reps, uh, management companies, the attorney groups. We want everybody who is willing to sit down and listen to what we have to say to be there so that they can walk away with an understanding of where we're coming from as regulators, why this is so important to us, why we have to move forward with this. And we're learning so much every day. And it wasn't until a face-to-face meeting with one of the large LOS providers that, you know, I didn't understand why we couldn't get all the data points from a a very large LOS provider. And when that that information leads them and goes to a doc management company, they lose control of the data points that, that Dan was talking about, and they're not transferring the data points back into the LOS. So even within the largest companies out there, you may not have a complete record on an electronic, in an electronic format. So in a flat file, a PDF file, absolutely. So when we go and ask a lender for their files, I don't want you thinking that lenders don't have complete files. They do as far as record maintenance goes. But when we're asking them for electronic file formats, they don't have it in that setup, so they can't generate this LEF, or at least not a complete LEF that gives us all the information we need. So we have pushed these summits out. Now we're meeting one-on-one with large entities, large providers, Calix. Uh, we're meeting with other large LOS providers. And now we know we have to meet with doc management companies because yeah, they're crucial to this resolution. We have to have them involved with this resolution, getting data back to the LOS providers. So that's what we're working on right now. That's amazing. 
maybe it might be helpful for our listeners as well if I you know, take a step back and, and describe that. Jeremy used the term LEF and LEF Summit. So that's really a file format. It's a licensee examination file or basically yeah, it's a, a, lo- <laughs> a loan examination format. And essentially, it's a flat file of the loan data that is necessary for a regulator to be able to you know, upload that into the compliance tool and receive the analysis, which serves as a, a diagnostic tool for them. And this isn't something that's brand new, although it may be new for a lot of folks on the, that are listening. It was something that, uh, a, a format that we, we at uh, Compliancies uh, created at the uh, bequest of the regulators years ago, but just having the format out there, you know, w- wasn't enough. And so, you know, certain uh, entities created it, certainly TRID complicated it. But it was, you know, kind of inconsistently yeah. used, and so there were, you know, requests from time to time. But you know, a lot of regulators weren't requesting it, especially in light of of TRID. And so, what I think, you know, Jeremy's speaking to is that the, you know, the regulators are, you know, wanting to really move towards efficiency in the kind of the e-examination world, and are looking at, you know, how do we, you know, do this in a very kind of collective, collaborative environment that brings together all the different parties. So that's why, you know, these these meetings are so important with the doc vendors and the LOS providers, as well as uh, industry participants and and lenders participating, regulators um, hosted by, um, you know, with representation from federal and state. The meetings have been hosted by the uh, CSBS, to throw another acronym out there, the Conference of State (laughs) Bank Supervisors. And and really, I I think it's been enlightening to kind of hear the different perspectives. But in that sort of symposium format, that is where I think uh, I'm seeing progress from where I sit. And again, just all in this in calendar year, as Jeremy said, there's been been these LEF mini summits and they've been in Orlando and Fort Worth and then just recently here in San Diego. As a byproduct of that are a series of of working groups that are taking the form of uh, conference calls and, you know, and then some one on one uh, face to face meetings as well. So I think there's a lot of moving parts now where sort of all are you know invited to kind of tackle this as an industry, uh, an industry issue. Thomas, it's got to be encouraging, maybe frightening to be invited to uh, uh, in San Diego to attend one of these meetings. But I just applaud Jeremy and the whole team, what the states are doing, to get your input. Were you there, and how did that meeting go for you? You know, I wasn't at the uh, San Diego, but I was at the one in Fort Worth, and uh, it was great. Fr- frankly, it was my, my first, well, you know, they just started these up, which was fantastic. Right. I love that there's some stick to to it. You know, there's follow-up to it. You know, I think Dan kind of alluded to, you know, LEF 2.0, you know, kind of uh, got forgotten there for a little bit for whatever reason. You know, they keep us real busy in development, having all these mandates that are put out by the different, uh, especially the different government entities that are out there. You know, so they're they're always putting us in a position to uh, keep improving, you know, uh, our software or keep developing to our software for the needs that they have. So putting this to the forefront, I think, is really a good thing for putting attention on something that is of interest to our users, for sure. It's just been a matter of there's, you know, there's some, as it was earlier alluded to, you know, there's some data points that are that are not typically native inside of the system or record. So from a development standpoint, you know, that's what we're working to accomplish is get those things in there so that we can provide a better and better, more of a pass, less of a fail, you know, for the regulator when they're looking at it. I don't know if we're going to get the holy grail where you just simply push the button and it's 
all the way done, but uh, yeah. cer- certainly that's the goal, you know. So, Tom, um, from your experience, since since uh, Calix is an important you know partner here, an important player in the LOS space, maybe you can expand on that from a from the standpoint of having you know two different systems. Because I think I think it's interesting about Tom's perspective here in this area is that you have you know, kind of different approaches to your two systems and, and both are sort of in progress. Good question, yeah. Yeah, we do. And it has to do with the architecture of the systems. You know, Point Point has uh, well over half the brokers um, that that are out there use Point. So it's, uh, you know, it's a tried and true system. But the architecture on that is, you know, it's been around for a little while. So there, that presents some challenges at times. So from a development standpoint, you know, what we're what we're doing here is, uh, to crack the nut is to, you know, build the data points, which then are going to be able to provide that file directly from the LOS. So that that's one approach. We're um, picking that development back up again as we get a little bit of a breather from the GSEs with the, you know, uh, the big news out there is that they kind of put a little hold on the URLA as far as timing goes. Uh, FHFA is, is uh, kind of reevaluating some things. And I don't know that the timelines are necessarily changing, but it sure seems like they're pushing things back a little bit. So it gives us a little bit of time to go back uh, and devote some more time to the LEF. And But also with those changes to the new URLA, it's going to require adding, again, some more data points. So, you know, it's kind of a round robin here. But, uh, we'll, you know, we'll manage through it. That's what we do. You know, we've done it very well for all these years. And then as far as PATH is concerned, you know, that's one of our newer entries to the uh, market it's an enterprise level LOS. It's cloud based, you know, and it's a it's a rule based, role based. Multi uh, users can be in the uh, LOS at one time. So really, more of a you know, ideally suited for that medium sized player, the banker that's out there. It's got fantastic audit trails. It's got a really nice tight integration to ki- compliance ease already, and so compliance ease here in the last couple of weeks have really put their thinking caps on here and say, okay, how can we make this easier for not only Calix that has a good integration, but any of the LOS partners that they have that are out there to, to maybe utilize the integration that's in place. And so what they're proposing and what we're investigating right now is something that they're, I, I don't know if this is a branding thing, so I don't know if I can say this, Dan, maybe, maybe but I'm internally kind of calling it the easy LEF, right? So for your compliance ease customers, people that are already utilizing compliances, there's going to be a way forward with the integration that's already in place, whereby that data comes through to compliances and then they produce the LEF. And then the mechanics of how that comes back, does that go back to back through the uh, LOS or not? That hasn't been worked out yet, but uh, we're in discussion about that. And then for the non-compliances customer, what are the mechanics to allow for that tool to be utilized for the purpose of generating an LEF? So that's a really exciting, fairly new development in our discussion with compliances, and it just shows that they're, you know, that can, that they're always thinking here forward, which is which is really great. So I don't know if that answered your question, but uh, that's yeah, what we're working. Gives us a little more perspective on that. Jeremy, I want to come back to you. I, I heard this. This kind of will wrap it up with this question, but there's two happiest days of someone who gets a bank charter, the day they get it and the day they burn it. And it's because of all the regulations involved with the banking part of it. So independent bankers, independent mortgage bankers have been spared a lot of it, but that's not the case anymore. It's the examinations are 
getting almost as intense as what the regulated institutions. Talk about what are some of the other options you're seeing out there so that you're not having to spend weeks and camp out there forever. Well, I mean, so the option is to have a solution from our industry partners through the working groups that I really want to mention really fast. Uh, There's three working groups. One's a gap analysis working group, basically finding out the information that we're missing and why. Mm -hmm. There's a gap analysis working group comparing LEF data to MISMO. And then there's another working group that will begin once we find out what all is missing that may work around developing a skinny LEF or a a smaller version of the LEF file because we understand as regulators that we do have multiple size players. And multiple size players have, or the larger players have more influence on the market and can cause things to go really bad or they can cause things to be really good. So, you know, when we talk about uh, a lot of Thomas's clientele or, or mortgage brokers who are maybe one state entities, this technology is going to begin at a multi-state level. That's what that, that's the group I'm a part of, the multi-state mortgage committee. Yep. Can we use it on a single state level? Absolutely. But our goal is to make sure we're covering the larger portfolio so we have a great sampling size. And we understand there's no holy grail either. I mean, I would love to have the holy grail, but there's no way we're going to be able to <laughs> set everybody into a pie nope. here and say, this is how we're doing yep. it. It's going to be a simple, easy button and hit it and go. We know we're going to have to adapt as regulators. We've done a poor job of that in the past. When we started seeing these things in 2014 and 15, and they were causing us distractions and pushing the system to the side, we should have been raising more issues back to our licensees, our lenders, and even to compliance saying, hey, why is this happening? And we failed to do that. So there's education that has to happen on the regulator side to get them back on board. This 2.0 push is going to happen I don't know exactly when yet, Dave, but it's going to happen when we get our regulators back on board and say, okay, here's the system that we need to use to do loan review. And once we have that in place and we know what will happen when we use certain LOSs, when we use certain doc providers, we're going to have all that kind of laid out. That's what all of this is about is a learning experience from a regulator's perspective to say, if you're using company X and they're using company-wise doc management, expect to have these failures but here's the specific documents you go and pull instead of request the entire loan file because that defeats the purpose of reg yep. tech in, its, in itself. So, <laughs> In itself. That's good. That's right. I applaud you, Jeremy, and the rest of the state examiners who are going to be listening to this for your efforts to make this as reasonable a process as necessary. It's, it's, a, it's a requirement. I mean, it's, it's there. You guys exist to make sure that abuses do not get happened, that bad actors are not allowed to exist. And so I applaud you for your efforts to not only meet that, but do what you can do to make this as efficient as possible so that this can get accomplished and everyone can go on and be about their business. So, Dan, when is the next Risk and Compliance Summit so our listeners can prepare and hopefully attend? I would love to see everyone out there. Um, thank you, David. Yeah, it's the next one is actually April 5 through 7. It's going to be in Chicago at the JW Marriott there. It'll be another meeting to discuss uh, these issues, the LEF and, and what have you, but also just in general reg tech and, and uh, all things compliance. Perfect. Looking forward to it. Listeners, get out there. I really thank you, Jeremy, for taking time to be with us, as well as Dan. Thank you for putting this all together. Really appreciate it. And Thomas, good to have you on. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. Oh, it's a pleasure, it's, David. Thank you. A-
You bet. Thank you so much, folks. We've had as our guest on this special podcast talking about RegTech. If you haven't, go back and share this with your audit department, also others, but you can get involved. And I think it's awesome that the state regulators are opening up and inviting you to meetings. Learn more about it. We're going to be putting some links up on the website. Hopefully, we'll get those from Jeremy. We get some links up so you know where and how you can learn more about it. But again, our special guests have been Dan Smith of Compliance Ease, Jeremy Windham of the Alabama State Banking Department, as well as Thomas Hennon of Calix Software. That's it for this week's podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. Again, share this with your colleagues. It's important. Regulators out there trying to work with us, so we need to work with them. Be sure to attend these conferences. I want to say a special thank you to all of our guests as well as our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, ResX, Warehouse Lending, and Division United Bank, as well as the MBA, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, CMLA, Velma as well as KnowledgeCoop, Vidyard, and AI Assist. If you're interested in advertising with us, go to our website, Licking on Lending. You'll see a link up there. You can click on it, and you'll get over to us or get a hold of Paul or Bill Pharmacus, who both of which handle are working with us on advertising. Thanks for listening. Be sure to be here next week. We're going to hopefully going to have Dave Savage on with Ryan Hill, who's a part of Movement Mortgage. They both have podcasts, but we've been all doing it. We did a podcast or an interview, a video interview on Savage's, uh, David Savage's Mortgage Coach program, and it was really good. And I want to share the same thing with our audience. I could just pull the audio out of that and do it, but I had a couple other areas I wanted to go to. So very excited to have them on, hopefully joining us next week. I'm also going to be doing more about what you can do to communicate to your audience. That's what we're doing here. It's working, folks. It can be your story as well. Say, well, I'm not good at that. Well, I didn't think I was either, and we're getting a lot of positive feedback. Many of you probably think I'm not, but I do it because it helps. And, you know, you may not have to be the best at it. Just get out and do it. Provide to your community, your community, people you want to connect with information to help them. That's the purpose of this podcast. We appreciate you being here with us. Have a great day, everyone. Great Labor Day holiday, and talk to you next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.